I'm just glad a few people showed up today. And, uh, you know, I thought there would be more than a few. I really did. I thought there would be uh, more than a few people that would want to, on this day, I'm going to bring that down a little bit, uh, would, uh, would want to spend a part of Christmas Day gathered with God's people to worship Christ. So that doesn't surprise me. Um, and, and to be honest, as I was uh, preparing for this weekend, I was looking more forward to this morning than I was last night. That's a little bit showy about Christmas Eve, people coming out, it's a tradition, large families, a lot of them don't want to be there, it's what they do before they go do the stuff they really want to do, right? If we're honest, for, for many people, but I know that the people that are here this morning are here because you want to be here. You didn't have to be here. Uh, so I'm just really glad to share this hour with you. And uh, there will be some online who have been able to take a break from feasting and festivities and family to join us, maybe from the comfort of your home in your jammies. And if that's you, glad that you're with us in that way as well. Um, there are a few kids. I thought there might be a few. And, and I'd just like to take a moment, a little more intimate setting. I want you just to come up and sit in the front row, We're, okay? I want Erica to come up. And if, you, if the parents have to come with them, Adelie, do you want to bring little Adelie? She just doesn't look like a baby anymore. Oh, my goodness. Adelie looks more like a, a toddler. And then we got some Martin kids. Felicity and Henry and Samuel, come on up. And Evelyn and Natalie, come on up. And Pippa. <laughs> come hang out with your third cousins, Evelyn and Natalie, up here. All right, kids. Merry Christmas. Did you already open presents? Yes. You did? Not yet? No. Okay, if you open presents, what was like, your favorite present that you opened? Lego. Lego. That might have been mine too, to be honest. I'm not going to lie. What, what was your favorite present? A doll. Wow. A toy truck? A toy truck that you have to screw in. Well, of course, we all know what that is, right? And a doll, that's good, you know, kind of a, a well-rounded child you're raising there. That's wonderful. Excellent. Okay, well, Christmas Day, okay, today's Christmas Day, and this is where we celebrate the day Jesus was born, right? Because Jesus was born on Christmas Day. So, uh, do you know how to sing Happy Birthday? You ever sung that before? Let's sing happy birthday to Jesus, okay? Do you know that song? Do you know happy birthday? Happy birthday to you. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Okay, we've got a song leader here. All right, so we're going to sing. We're gonna, you can join too, okay, grown-up kids, and we're just going to sing happy birthday to Jesus. But I don't have this. Uh, sorry. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Jesus. Happy birthday to you. Good job. All right. You can go back to your uh, seats there with your, your family. Maybe you've heard people protest that... Uh, there's a certain type of person out there that um, kind of grumbles about 
Christians celebrating the birth of Jesus on December 25th. Um, they may protest that Jesus wasn't actually born on December 25th. Have you heard that? They're right. The odds that Jesus was born on December 25th are roughly 1 in 365, okay? I'm no statistician, but, uh, you know, the Bible doesn't say what day he was born. It doesn't tell us what season. We don't really know what time of year Jesus was born. You know, the earliest church uh, didn't celebrate the birth of Jesus. You've maybe heard people protest that too. Well, the, the first Christians didn't celebrate the birth of Jesus. That's okay. Uh, it wasn't until about the year 200 that Christians started to actually designate a day where together they would celebrate Jesus' birth. Actually, that first day was January 6th. It was in the Julian calendar. And then uh, in the early 300s, uh, that date changed, and it was announced in, in the Roman Empire as the Christian church grew that the day uh, of the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ would be December 25th. It was the year 336 under Constantine that that date was formalized as the day of celebration for the birth of Jesus, December 25th. Not because anybody necessarily believed that Jesus was born on that particular day. Um, so why? Why do we celebrate Jesus' birth on December 25th? If you were here at our Christmas Eve service last night, you got a bit of a snippet into the reason for that. It's because in the pagan Roman religion of the day, they, had, uh, they celebrated winter solstice on December 25th in the Julian calendar. That was the day that the sun started to rise more again. And so they would celebrate the winter solstice, and they had a feast day. Uh, it was called the Nativity of Sol Invictus, the Nativity of the Unconquerable Sun, that the sun couldn't be conquered, but now it would rise again. And so Christians thought that was a very appropriate time Instead of celebrating the Inconquerable Son, S-U-N, to celebrate the true Unconquerable Son, S-O-N, God's Son that was sent uh, to earth and born a child. And so Christians then in the year 336 formally started to celebrate the birth of Jesus um, on December 25th. Uh, and so we're not really sure when he was born. Scholars think, you know, little clues in the story. They think it was most likely it was in September. But, it, you know, it doesn't really matter all that much. I don't get bothered whether we're celebrating Jesus' birth on the actual day he was uh, born. Um, just like I don't get bothered that Victoria Day in May is the day that we celebrate the birthday of the monarch, Queen Elizabeth. Did you know that's what actually Victoria Day was? It's a day to celebrate our queen. Queen Elizabeth, even though she was born April 21st, we celebrated in May. So the day doesn't really matter so much. Um, I think it's actually good that we have a day. I think it's good we have a day because it reminds us, you know, that there was a day. There was an actual day. There was an actual time in history where God sent His Son. The important fact is not on what day Jesus was born. The important fact is that there was a day, there was a day in which God's Son was born. And when did that happen? Well, this is how Paul describes it in Galatians chapter 4. This verse kind of stood out to me. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5 say this. 
But when the set time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Okay? What did Paul say? But when the what time? What time? But when the set time. When the set time had come, God sent His Son, born of a woman. What does that mean? What does that mean? Um, set time. It means that there was a day that God had planned in advance. It means that God had a plan and that God's time was purposeful. He had set it. It wasn't random. It wasn't by chance. It wasn't coincidental. No, Jesus was born on the right day, the day that God had set in advance because He had a plan. What that means is that there was a planner, and that planner was God. That means a couple of things. That means that God has authority over time. God has authority over time. Jesus says this in um, Acts chapter 1, verse 17. Jesus said to His disciples, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by His own authority. God, why? Why this time? Why not that time? He says, it's not so important that you know the time. It's just that you know that there is a time. That God has set a time by His own authority. God has authority over time. God has the ability to set the times. He has control over the events of history. This is our God. He has control over all the events of history. He has control. He is sovereign over the events and the times in your life. So the Apostle James, in his little letter, would say this in um, chapter 4, verses 13 uh, to 15. He says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, we will spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. If it is the Lord's will. That means that God, uh, by His will, has the ability to set the time, to order the circumstances. We are not sovereign over time, but God is. The Lord's will has bearing over what happens. God has authority over time. And not, does, not can God set the time because He has authority over time, but God does set the time. God appoints the time. You know, God is not someone like Rusty Hildebrand who flies by the seat of his pants, kind of making things up on the go, trying to look like he's got it all together. No, God um, is not a procrastinator. God is a planner. He plans ahead. He appoints the times, for He alone stands outside of time. He sees the end from the beginning. And He had a plan far in advance for that day. He had set that time far in advance. This is what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. He, has chose, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. 
He was chosen. Who's He? Jesus. Jesus was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. That day was set before the world began. That's what that means. God has a plan, had a plan from the, the beginning to send His Son. And you see that right throughout the Scriptures, right? Right at the beginning, after Adam and Eve sinned and they fall, and God comes and pronounces the judgment, the ramifications of that, right? He, he, says, he says to the serpent, right, that an offspring of the woman is going to come, and the offspring of the woman is going to crush your head. You will strike his heel, but the offspring of the woman will crush your head. Right from the very beginning, God foretells of this plan. And then he comes to Abraham. We find that in Genesis chapter 12, and he calls Abraham and says, I'm going to make out of you a great nation. Even though you can't even bear children, I'm going to bring someone from you miraculously, and, and from you will, will come a great nation, and from you will come one who will bless all the peoples of the earth. And then hundreds of years later, he speaks to the prophet Isaiah. We looked at that a little bit yesterday. When he foretells that a light will dawn in the darkness and a son will be born and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. Over and over again, God is foretelling about this great plan that he has and he does it over many years in many different ways and then he just stopped speaking. You know, at the end of the Old Testament, it ends with Malachi, I think it's chapter 4, and then you turn the page and it's what? you know your Bible? It's Matthew chapter 1. It just takes a second to flip the page. In between Malachi chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 1, they call that the period of waiting, the period of silence, because God went quiet for 400 years. He didn't speak to prophets. He was just quiet. That's a long time to wait. 400 years. You can only imagine that the people wondered, where is God and what is God doing? Have we been abandoned? Has He forgotten us? Waiting is hard. Time moves really slow when you're waiting, and, and it moves really fast when you're having fun, unfortunately, right? Like a day when you're at the all-inclusive resort goes way too fast. But when you're sitting 12 hours in an airplane on the tarmac in Vancouver Airport, trying to get home for Christmas, that's a long time, right? Waiting is hard. When, when you're laying on the floor staring at your presents, already the end of November, my poor kids, we put them there the end of November, they have to just sit and wait and shake, right? Dream and resist the temptation to rip it open too soon. I remember when I was a kid, I had a friend, his name was Trevor, and uh, he couldn't wait. And Trevor, in, in the middle of the night, as his parents were sleeping, he might have been eight or nine or ten years old, Trevor snuck down to the tree and he opened up all of his presents. And then he wrapped them back up again. But eight-year-old Trevor was not a, <laughs> not a very good gift wrapper. Certainly not as good as his mother, so he was found out fairly easily and had all of his gifts taken away from him. Um, poor Trevor. <laughs> he learned his lesson. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, but it's hard to wait, not just for kids, but for us adults, it's hard to wait for God. Um, 
We don't get to know God's time. But what Christmas tells us, what Paul says when he says that at the set time, God sent his son, born of a woman. <clears throat> we, we, we maybe don't know God's time, but we know that there is a proper time. There's a proper time in God's plan. There's a proper time for his plan in your life. There's a, there's a set time. And so we see this over and over again in the scriptures, this talk of God's timing. We'll see if this advances here. So this is Romans 5, 6. He says, you see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, God died for the ungodly. At what time? At just the right time. What's just the right time? The time God had set. At just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. This is 1 Timothy 2. For there is now one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the, what time? At the proper time. We have witnessed this at the proper time. Paul would go on in 1 Timothy 6. He says, keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his, what time? In his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So God sent His Son at just the set time. He died on the cross at the right time. It was witnessed to at the proper time, right? God, Christ, will come again, the second coming, in God's own time. And so Paul would say this to the Galatians in chapter 6, let us not become weary of doing good, for at the what time? At the proper time, we will, not, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Do not grow weary in waiting. Do not grow weary in persevering, in doing good. For at the proper time, the time that God has set, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. All, what that all tells us is that God's time is always the right time. It's maybe not our time, but it's His time, and His time is always the right time. And so a person might ask, why did God wait thousands of years to send Jesus? Why all of that time? And we don't know the reasons for, all, for, for God's timing in our lives or in history, but God has a purpose for His time, and His purposes are greater than our purposes that we can see in the moment. You know, the Jews were looking for a Savior for the people, right, to, 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 to reestablish the, the throne of David and to be liberated from their enemies. They, they were looking for a Savior for their people, but God's purpose was so much greater than the Messiah. God, God had a purpose to send a Savior for the whole world. The whole world. And so, that day Jesus was born was just the right time to accomplish God's purpose. What made that the right time? After 400 years of silence, was God doing anything? Yeah, He was doing stuff. Yeah, yeah. Alexander the Great left, you know, that little nation of Macedonia, and he went, and he brought Greek culture and Greek language to almost the whole known world. He established a common culture, a common language, a common network. The Greek language provided the most precise instrument for global communication, which is why your New Testament is written in Greek, and it could go into all the known world because the Greek language had spread. It wasn't just little tribes, each with their own language, like it had been before Alexander the Great in that time of silence. God established this, this, this network for global communication, this instrument and then the Romans took over the Greeks in that time of silence, and the Romans established 
the Pax Romana, this peace amongst the empire. And and they developed these road systems for transportation so that you could travel very easily around the known world at that time so the gospel could spread quickly when it arrived. And the Jews over that, those years and that time of silence were scattered from their homeland and they found themselves living in all of these cities in the world, establishing synagogues. All these Jewish people who knew the scriptures, who knew all the prophecies. God was setting the stage. God was setting the stage in all sorts of different ways to fulfill His plan, His purposes. The time was right You know, most people in the New Testament, they thought that Jesus would return in their lifetime. They wondered what was taking Jesus so long to come back. But what was was Jesus' purpose in coming? What was the purpose of God? We see that in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. Jesus says, This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. That's God's heart. That's God's purpose, that the good news of Jesus would be proclaimed to the ends of the earth. And here's a problem. They didn't know what they didn't know. They thought the world was small. They thought they lived on this flat disk. They didn't know the world was a ball. They didn't know they were on this earth. They didn't know that on the other side of this earth, across these oceans, were, were other lands with other people that God too created, that God too loved, that God wanted to save. They had no idea. They didn't know what they didn't know. And you know what? You don't know what you don't know either. But God knows what you don't know. And so God delayed coming. And He still delays as this uh, mission is um, advancing to completion. And so you see this in 2 Peter. I think we've got the verse up here. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some have understood slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I know you think, church, I know you think God is slow. He says He's not slow. He has purposes that, that are beyond your purposes, beyond what you can understand. And His slowness is about Him bringing about His plan and His purposes right? Because He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants the gospel to go around the whole earth. That's why God delays. It's not because He's procrastinating. It's not because God's not in control. It's not because He's slow. It's because His time is always the right time to accomplish His purposes. And you see that over and over again, like in John chapter 11, Right, the story of Lazarus, the friend of Jesus, who comes down sick and word gets sent to Jesus in a different town. The one you love, Lazarus, your friend is sick. Please come and heal him. We know, Jesus, you have the power to heal. So Jesus said to his disciples, um, he says, you're going to see the glory of God. This has happened so that God will be glorified. Um, And then it says a few verses later that Jesus stayed where he was a few more days. He waited. And what he he, he was waiting for, he was waiting for Lazarus to be good and dead cold in the ground, cold in the tomb. And so when he finally, after a few days of delay, he goes, maybe you know the story, right? Mary runs out, throws herself at his feet, and she's so disappointed in Jesus. Jesus, if you had not been late, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus, if you had been on time, if you had not been late, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus says, do you believe in me? 
If you believe in me, you will see the glory of God. Maybe you know how the story ends. He wasn't late. He was right on time to fulfill his purposes and to show his glory. And he called Lazarus to come out of that tomb. And he made more glory for himself than he ever would have if he had come and he he had healed a man who had a fever in his bed. God is right on time to accomplish his purposes. And what we need to see more than anything else is we need to see God's glory. We need to see how awesome he is. And that's why his timeline is different than our timeline. Because we want God, we want what we want now. If it was up to our time, the time would always be now. What would be the day to open the gifts? It would be today. That would be our timeline, but his timeline is different because he has good purposes and he wants to showcase his glory. And I remember a time when we were selling our house in Blind River a few years ago, moving here. When we bought the house, it felt like God had given us a real promise that he was going to sell the house when the time came to sell because the town we were in, Blind River, it had a, a bad housing market. It was, everyone moved away. Nobody came. You could, you could, your house could be on the market for years. Lord, do we buy a house if we don't know how much we're gonna, longer we're going to be here? And, and, and he led us to Jeremiah 32, which says, buy the, buy, um, take the deed of purchase, wrap it up, and put it in a clay pot for safekeeping because houses and lands will again be bought and, bought, houses and fields will again be bought and sold in this land. Just open up the Bible. Lord, give us direction. We don't know what to do. And we felt like he spoke to us. And so in faith, we bought the house knowing that when the time would come, God would do it. And four years later, that time came and we listed our house. And I reminded God of the promise. And that sign was out there the sale sign, and, 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 it, and it didn't say sold, it just said for sale, for sale, for sale, and the day come for us to, to move. Craig and Quentin, they flew out from here, they helped us pack, they got the U-Haul, moving day came, they drove out, we were about 10 minutes behind them, one last sweep of the house before we left, and I said, oh man, God, it would have been nice to leave here with a sold house, but I guess, I guess you know, you've got a plan. One last sweep of the house, the car was idling in the driveway when we got a call from our realtor. We just sold your house. Like literally two minutes before we walked out of our... Like, geez, God, you had months to do this. You had months. Why did you wait till now? God wants to show His glory. And because of that, he's not wanting for us that which is most convenient or that which is safest, but that which showcases his glory. That's what will make us eternally happy. God always comes at the right time. Not not just then, not just at Christmas, but today in our lives. That's what I see in those verses. I I see God saying to me, Rusty, do you trust in my plan and in my timing? I always do things at the proper time. Rusty, church, there's things that you want in your life. You don't want to be single. You want to be with somebody. You want this, there's a situation in your life that is hard. There's this burden that you carry that you so desperately want to be resolved. There's a variety of things that we might be waiting for, looking to God for, wondering where He is. And what I see in that verse in Christmas is God has not abandoned, God has not forgotten, God has a set time. God has a set time in our life. And if that's true, then what should we do? How should we wait? Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31 says, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength, 
They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not be faint. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. What does it look like to wait for God in a way that renews strength? He's not talking about just idly sitting on the couch waiting for God to do something. This is, this is the waiting of a servant who's looking to their master or a, t- a, a waiter looking to their table, right? To wait. What does it mean to wait on a table? To be a waiter. It doesn't mean to not do anything. It means to give your attention to the one you're serving, to be looking to them, to be trusting in them. So Proverbs 8.34, blessed are those who listen to me watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. Lamentations 3.25, the Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. Waiting is looking. Waiting is seeking. Waiting is trusting. Micah 7, but as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation for my God will hear me. Waiting is trusting that God hears, that God has a plan, that God will bring about His purposes which are good for us. So what does it mean to wait on the Lord? It means to trust in His promises, to trust that He has a plan, that He is a plan. And even if I don't understand why or what or why not now, God has a set time. It means to trust in His purposes and His plan. It means to submit to His purposes, right? God does what He does for the glory of Himself because that's what you and I need and that's what our world needs more than anything else, more than a job that pays a bit more than what we get paid now, more than a spouse, more than anything, more than a healthy body. What we know and what everyone you know needs is we need, the, we need to know the greatness, the glory of God, and God does what He does. His timing is for His glory, and so to wait on Him means to submit ourselves to His purpose, to say, God, I surrender myself to You. May Your will be done. May You be glorified in my life. May You be glorified in my waiting, in my looking to You. May I seek You as the fulfiller of my desires. May your glory be seen in me. It means submitting to His purposes. And thirdly, it means to be unwavering in your obedience to His Word. Waiting means obeying, right? That's, that's what Paul said in Galatians 6, 9. Don't grow weary of doing good, for at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. To wait means to persevere in obedience. Not like Abraham, right? God, you made a promise we're going to have a child. I don't see how it's going to happen. We've been waiting a little while. I've got the slave girl over here, Hagar. Let's make it happen ourselves. Not like, not like Saul, who was waiting on the prophet Samuel to come and to offer the sacrifice that only Samuel could offer, right? But he was delayed, and so I guess I'll just take matters into my own hand. I know God didn't say to do this, but God's being slow, so I'm just going to do it myself. Don't grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. To wait on the Lord means just to continue to persevere in obedience, trusting in Him, in His plan, in His timing. 
So the coming of Jesus into the world shows us that God has a set time. So this is, um, this is what I see in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 and 5. God is never late and He's never early. My daughter just started uh, driving lessons. Would you pray for us? She's a good driver. But I got to let my girl go behind the wheel. That'll make you trust in God. That'll make you pray. Anyway, she had her first driving lesson last week, and, and the instructor said to her, meet me at the Stonewall Collegiate parking lot at 5.30. Don't, don't be late, and don't be a minute early. Because I never show up late, but I never show up early. And what did he do, Annika? He was late 25 minutes. She had to call him. And he's like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. I thought you said you were never late. So we may fail, but God doesn't fail. Right? God is never late and He's never early, but He's right on time. That's, what, that's one of the things we're supposed to see at Christmas, Right? That day, December 20th, whatever day it was, it wasn't random, it wasn't coincidental, it wasn't by chance, it was the day that God had set for His good purposes, right? For our good and for His glory. God is never late, never early, right on time for our good and for His glory. When we are waiting, God is working. And just know that. I, I don't know if you find yourself, there's something in your life that you, you're in a period of waiting, of kind of trusting um, and, and, and maybe you feel like you're in a period of silence, wondering where is God and what is God doing. Um, when we are waiting, just know that God, God is never waiting. God is always working. And I love these words of Jesus from John 5, 17. When He says, My Father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. I like that. My Father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. When we are waiting, God is working. And, and so as we come to this table to take the Lord's Supper together, um, what are we waiting for? Well, certainly we're waiting for the Lord's second coming, right? When we come, we are we, we, are, we are expressing our trust in Christ, right? Our hope in His coming again. Express that we are waiting, Jesus, for you. But what are you waiting for in your own life? I just, in, in, we're going to take this in a bit of a different way, but, um, uh, and, and we're going to pray here in a moment, um, and then we're going to sing a song where we just put our trust um, in, in God, uh, in our waiting, um, and so what we're going to do here before I pray is, um, as we sing, we just invite you to leave your seat, to come up and just to grab a little cup, grab a piece of bread, go back to your chair while we're singing. And once we've all taken that and we're ready at, uh, at back in our seats, we'll take it together, right? But, but just, just bring to this table, just whatever situation you're in, you may find yourself kind of waiting, looking for something from God. May this just be an act of kind of a surrender to His will, right? And a placing of trust again in His plan and His purpose, just believing that it is perfect. It is perfect for, for us. It is perfect for you. Let's pray. God, we thank You that
you are sovereign over the world. You are um, sovereign over all the events of history, Lord. When we turn on the news and we think, what in the world is going on in, in, in this world, Lord? None of that surprises you, Lord. You are the one who is at work all around us in ways that, that sometimes we have the, the pleasure of seeing, but in other ways we don't see, Lord. But we can look back through history and see how you had, all, you, you had this plan that you unfolded at just the right time in just the right way for us so that we could know you through your Son, Lord. And you have, you, you have a plan and a purpose in each of our lives. You have times that you have set for what you will do in us. And so, Lord, wherever we find ourselves in life, whatever we find ourselves waiting for, Lord, whatever burden maybe we find ourselves carrying today, or would you just uh, renew us as we wait for you, that we would find our strength renewed, as it said, as it said in Isaiah uh, chapter 40, Lord. Um, yeah, that you would just give us the strength um, to trust in your plan, Lord, for our good and for your glory. God, we will wait for you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.